The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the final episode of the second season of Star Trek Lower Decks called First First Contact. And joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going, Dom? Very good, thanks. And Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Folks, stick around to the end of the episode. Okay, have... so wait, 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 wait. Uh, okay. So you say, hi, Father Corey. Yes. He says, how's it going? Yes. And you reply, very well, thanks. Yes. <laughs> Then you say to me, hi, Jimmy. I say, howdy, Dom. Howdy is a contraction of how do you do? Oh. And yet you don't say very well, thanks. What's this? Is this clericalism? Are you are you taking Father Corey's uh, greeting more seriously and treating mine more less? Father Corey can be a bishop someday. I mean, come on. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Oh, no, 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 no. Well, let's cut this whole part out. We don't want to. No, no, no. Keep it in. It's going to be great listening. So Uh, I, I didn't. I it did not cross my mind that howdy was a question, just a how do, like how do, and mm-hmm. moving on, you know, hi, hello, you know, so mm-hmm. I will. Well, how do is also a question, but uh, yeah. no, actually <laughs> what I'm needling you about is the surprisingly literal response to to Father Corey's greeting, because normally yeah. Yeah. how's it going does not require a response. I yeah, know, I it's, feel it's a similar thing. When someone says how's it going to me just in general in life, I always feel like I have to say I'm well, thank you. It's just, uh, I think my parents raised yeah. me in that way, but. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, at most, no, a normal person would say great and move on. I know. Yep. Now I, and, but see, now that you've told me that how, howdy means how do you do? <laughs> now I'm going to feel obligated. Do not. I hereby de-obligate you for the rest of time on behalf of everyone who says howdy. I, I will yep. endeavor to be less polite. Um, so, in any case, uh, folks. Stick around to the end of the episode. We have lots of listener feedback from our previous episodes. Uh, we've actually been getting some great feedback from you all, and we want to uh, go over that and, and, and share that with you. Uh, we also want you to be sure to share the podcast with your friends. Help us grow this community of listeners. Uh, yes, the first, the, the second season of Lower Decks is ending. We've got lots of great Star Trek to be talking about very soon. Not only are we going to be talking about uh, the classic series, but we're also going to be talking about Star Trek Prodigy, another new animated Star Trek series very soon, like in a couple of weeks. So be sure to let other people know about it and help us grow this community. Uh, we also want to tell you about another show that's on the StarQuest Network that you'll enjoy called Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. And that's where we talk about uh, all kinds of movies and shows that don't fit into our regular uh, single uh, topic shows. And so we talk about things like uh, the, recently we've been talking about uh, Dune, the, the various iterations of the Dune movies, including one crazy wild concept from the 70s uh, by this guy named Jodorowsky. You've got to listen to that one. It is insane it's very 70s uh and we've got a lot of other great shows that we've been talking about recently so check it out wherever you find find podcasts or at sqpn.com slash secrets all right jimmy can you recap for us this final episode of the second season 
This week, Lower Decks throws us a curveball by giving us a second season finale that has almost nothing to do with the Pakled War we've been exploring all season. Instead, Captain Freeman receives a promotion and is scheduled to leave the ship, but her final mission is to accompany another ship on a first contact mission to a new race, despite the fact that the Cerritos is assigned to do second contacts. When we arrive in the alien system, the other ship is disabled by a freak disaster. And the Cerritos crew must undertake dangerous procedures to save the other ship from crashing into the first contact planet, which is never a great way to make first contact. (laughs) As they do this, the lower deckers must confront various personal challenges. Mariner must confront the fact that she's actually grown to enjoy her mother's presence and doesn't want her to leave. Rutherford must confront the fact that he's afraid of deleting backup memories of his friendship with Tindy. Tindy must confront the fact that she's afraid Dr. Ta'ana will transfer her out of sickbay. And Boimler almost drowns trying to save the two ships from the impending calamity. But eventually, both ships are saved. Tindy learns that Dr. Ta'ana is actually recommending her for training as the bridge science officer. She's so impressed with her. Captain Freeman completes the first contact, her first first contact, because she's only done second contacts up to now, Mm -hmm. and decides to turn down the promotion and stay with the Cerritos. And then the hammer drops, and Captain Freeman is suddenly arrested for destroying the the Pac-Led planet, Planet Pakled, despite the fact that we know she had nothing to do with its destruction. We're thus set up for the trial of Captain Freeman in Season 3 and more information about the Klingon-inspired Pakled War. Right. Excellent. That's a good good summary. And there's plenty to discuss because I want to mention the ship that the that the Cerritos is assigned to a company, uh, not the ship itself, because I know Jimmy doesn't care, but about <laughs> Jimmy doesn't care about ships, <laughs> but about the captain of that ship, Captain Sonia Gomez. That is the same character and actress as Ensign Sonia Gomez from the TNG episode, Q who, as well as another one she was in, but she's the one who, <clears throat> the, the engineering crewman who accidentally spilled hot chocolate on Captain Picard as his first impression of her. So she has a habit of having bad first impressions. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and watch that. That's awesome. Yes, that, that, that was a good read. And in fact, that Sonia Gomez, there was some, I remember at the time, some talk about, is she going to be like a love interest for Jordy or something along those lines? She wasn't, uh, but uh, she was kind of popular. She showed up a couple times as this third tier crew member mm-hmm. who had lines. Let's- Um, But it's the same actress, too, which was fun. There was a point in this episode where a crew member on her bridge falls or does something, makes a mistake, and she helps her up and says, don't worry, I've I've also made... big errors in front of somebody that I, that was uh, very intimidating. And I'm like, what is that about? Cause they just kind of left more, it more there. intimidating captains, more intimidating captains. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And so I had to go look it up and it turns out, yes, that's, that's what that was a reference to. So oh, very cool. Uh, lower deck still mining the, 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 the jewels of DNG uh, or of all Star Trek. So that, that was good. Well, I, I do, I do want to mention the ship briefly. Cause although Jimmy's not interested, <laughs> I know Dom, you and I are, I love ships, um, yeah. Yeah, and it's 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 really cool. It's called the 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 Obena class, and it actually was named for Tolan Obena, who is an art director on Lordex. Yeah, he was the art director this season, 
Um, but it's it's an Excelsior class looking all sovereign class, as uh, Captain Freeman put it in season one. Right. So it's based off the Excelsior class, um, but it's got like the saucer and the cells of the the sovereign class. It's a I think it looks mashup. cool. Yeah, it is I, cool. I think it looks cool. Yeah, it is cool. It's the Archimedes. So uh, yep. uh, you mentioned to me spaceships that spaceships are wheels. Spaceships. Yes, hey, they are vehicles for getting the, us to the plot device. <laughs> for, for all the trouble I've had with tires over this past year. Wheels are extremely important. <laughs> they are. Yeah. <laughs> and worth talking about. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned that uh, we have, they're at the star base. Admiral Freeman, who is Captain Freeman's husband and Mariner's dad. Is yeah. There. And, and for once he's on screen, not just on screen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's in person. Uh, and uh, she's getting this promotion. This And this was, this becomes a kind of a big deal. Mariner kind of uh, and, finds and out maybe, ahead of time. Notice they've seeded that throughout the season. They've been hinting that she's like looking for a promotion because she keeps alluding throughout these episodes to wanting to do really well and stuff. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And and so Mariner over you know overhears that she's getting this promotion and blabs to the other senior crew who are all upset because that she didn't tell them first uh, because she didn't get a chance. But she's also been told she's not going to be able to take her senior crew with her. They're they're cali class uh bridge crew not you know whatever you know top of the line ship uh bridge crew yeah and i wonder about like how real militaries do that i don't know if father Corey has any insights on this but when someone gets promoted to captain or when a captain gets transferred i should say um i don't I don't no. think they typically get to take anybody with them. No, no, it, it's, you know, at least like my experience in the Air Force, at least when we would get a new commander, uh, he wouldn't bring in his, you know, his secretary or his, you know, second in command or anything like that. It was, you know, he was the new commander yeah. and the people who were already in the unit would just work under him instead of under the previous one. Now, I, I, and I think the Navy is kind of the same way yeah. It's just because you get a new captain doesn't mean that his exo goes with him. It's a Star Trek thing because you've got to keep the cast that you're paying under contract, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, around. Well, and that's why we never have any captains transferred in the middle of a season. <laughs> right. And right. why Riker refuses or the series. natural promotion to captain at after six years as XO. Right. So we uh, so the uh, Freeman is get this promotion. Um, there's this conflict which between the, her and the senior crew, but also with Mariner. I like the fact we had another incident with Jennifer the Andorian yeah. um, is because she and Mariner like run into each other in the hallway. And it seems like they're patching up their relationship that, uh, you Eventually. know, uh, yeah. yeah. And Jennifer's like, yeah, I don't care. Don't worry about it. Not a big deal. Yeah. Um, I also like when they have when they're doing the emergency procedures to save the uh, the Archimedes, they have to put on these uh, space suits which are the same spacesuits from Star Trek First Contact. Mm-hmm. They're, they're the sort of white plastic-looking space, hard plastic-looking spacesuits. And for uh, Jennifer the Andorian, they've got like these little knobs <laughs> in the top oh, of yeah. her space helmet for her antennas to fit into. Yeah, the, the, the first time Mariner and Jennifer end up having that conflict in the, in the hall, in the, in the corridor, Mariner says something along the lines of, you just hate me. I know you do. And Jennifer has the best comeback, which I've heard in other other contexts, which is, I don't think about you at all. 
Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh man, that is a that is a good burn. Uh, So that's I'm I'm gonna have to file that away to to use it later. They they actually they they play that out really well though because it it turns out that they're mutually misunderstanding each other. Right. That Jennifer thought Mariner hated her. Mariner thought Jennifer hated her, and it turns out that both of them were just mixed signals. Yeah. And I I like I like Mariner's. Shut up. Let's go. <laughs> I had that happen with a coworker once where she said to me, look, you don't like me and I don't like you. And I was like, I like you. <laughs> I don't know yeah. why you think I don't like you. And then we were friends after that. <laughs> so I can't. I've, I've been in Mariner's shoes or Jennifer's shoes. Me, meanwhile, Boimler is getting ready for Captain Freeman Day. And yes. <laughs> he's making decorations for Captain Freeman Day as if you were a five-year-old. And yep. Mariner points out, isn't that just a vanity holiday to trick kids into respecting the captain? <laughs> right. Yeah. A reference to uh, the Captain's Day, the, uh, the uh, TNG episode, which Captain, captain Picard, Picard Day. Day. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That, yes. I, I think it is funny to see Matt, like Boimler making these decorations to impress the captain and the rest of the crew are like, that's for the kids, like in the in the you know the crew family kids yeah that, that was funny yeah. well i i got a kick out of that because rutherford you know he's having problems with his implants which we find out his memory's full and he's like hey can you take my shift on the cetacean ops so i can go get this fixed oh no i'm too busy doing these decorations <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> i also really sympathize with rutherford in this because he's getting pop-up ads yes pop-up, he's yeah. a pop-up blocker <laughs> yes. i i have been there with the pop-ups that you can't get rid of and they <laughs> they won't go away <laughs> yeah, it's interfering with his ability to walk through the corridors he's got so many pop-ups happening right yeah. um and uh, and that kind of screen spam is just a great bit of meta humor because of the way we have to encounter it today. Right. Yep. Right. Uh, Mariner decides that the best way to get Freeman to stay is to turn her senior staff against her. And I, I'm kind of wondering why, why anyone would think that would be effective. I think that would try kind of drive her away. But, you know, she's not thinking thought- rationally. I thought, yeah, I thought Mariner was just lashing out and wanting payback yeah. because she didn't want her mom to leave. Yeah. In fact, at the end, that's kind of what she says. Like, I just, I just didn't, I didn't want you to leave. And, you know, her mom says, I don't want to leave you, uh, which is a very nice moment. So we have, we get to see the captain's yacht with the, the much rumored mm-hmm. that TNG had a captain's yacht on the, on the Enterprise D and we get to they, see. They the even designed it. They just never built it and showed it to us. It right. was Captain yep. Picard's yacht was called the Calypso. Yes, yes. And uh, Tendi and Rutherford were hiding out there for some for reasons. And uh, they were revisiting all of uh, Tendi's favorite places because they thought she was going to get transferred off the Cerritos. Right, right, right. right. And, That's right. And they, and they probably went down there because the, the uh, replicators can make ice cream. They're eating ice cream cones when <laughs> when Mariner and right, Freeman came in. So because the lower deck replicators don't make uh, yeah. good food. But yeah, the funny at one, thing is, at, at one point, they Rutherford suggests let's go someplace off limits, and that's when they go to the the captain's uh, yacht. Uh, but they decide to go there rather than the rubber ducky room. <laughs> the rubber ducky. So the rubber ducky room is also off limits. Yeah, just, apparently. Like, you just want to know what the rubber ducky room is and why it's off limits. <laughs> so, and the funny thing is, is Freeman and Mariner never take the the captain's yacht out like that they, they just so the idea is they have to go rescue the the archimedes because this planetoid planetoid exploded and it's made of this material that if it touches anything that's energized that has energy running through it it'll suck it dry and, and which is what happened to the archimedes it's no energy at all 
and this is visually this is like when the when the moon praxis blows up in star trek 6 yeah it feels like a replay of that yes uh the they uh they have to traverse this this new asteroid field say and like all asteroid fields in tv and movie science fiction it is ridiculously overstuffed with asteroids <laughs> yes yeah. it is incredibly well, dense uh so this, Rutherford, is, this is a newly formed this is a newly formed one so you might have a reasonable excuse on that yes, but it just a exploded bit. but yeah so Rutherford comes up with a plan which is they're going to fly through this field but they're going to remove all the hull panels from the Cerritos so that it, because the hull panels are energized to as you know, with the deflector mm -hmm. stuff, the shielding. Um, so if you remove all the hull panels, they will in polarize the hull plating. Yeah, exactly. But won't all the stuff <laughs> underneath be full of energy, too? Well, <laughs> I was going to say they shut down. They shut down all the systems. So I guess that's the reason why it they were going to coast through, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This it, is probably a good point for the MST3K mantra. It's just a show. I should really just relax. Yeah. Yes. But yes, this, yes. You're both absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't don't yeah, put too many holes at this one. <laughs> and and even though I'm not particularly interested in starship design i am particularly interested in animation yeah. and i really liked the animation of both the archimedes and the cerritos in this episode because it's it, they're doing 3d computer animation of them and it it's really impressive on-screen graphics there's a moment where oh. the archimedes comes into the system and then turns and you have this rotating CGI of this ship, and it just looks gorgeous. Mm, and yeah. then they they give us this alternate version of the Cerritos where they've stripped off all the hull plating. And you get to see this kind of stripped, you know, undercarriage of the ship. And it looks great. Oh, yeah. And so I just, I really liked, I wanted to compliment the animators on that. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's... And it's really like Shaxx, you know, if they don't do the good animation, it's a good... You're lucky I'm so spiritual, because if I wasn't so spiritually centered, I could snap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a good line. <laughs> um, yeah, Meredith tells Freeman that she's she ends up telling her that she's mad at her for leaving and for saying she lacks confidence, which is funny, because Mariner, if anything, she exudes an air of confidence, and... And so this this idea that she's putting on this shell yeah. well, to, and, to appear confident. And they've I think they've 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 acknowledged that a number of times this season that yep. Mariner is not as confident as she as she projects. Mm -hmm. We also get, she even tries to call herself like a, a Kirk. You know, like she's like Captain Kirk, where she's got all this confidence. And Freeman's like, no, you're not. You just <laughs> complain a lot. <laughs> yes. Right. So we also get a little hint at Rutherford has a backstory. Yeah, for his implant, mm -hmm. because we find out he's the reason his his thing is full and it shouldn't be. He should be able to just let his memories be in the cloud or something. Um, but he's been saving three backup copies of all of his memories because he's afraid of losing his memory of his friendship with Tindy again. Yes. And so he's like been tripling. Well, OK, dude, if it's been a year and you've already filled up your drive, it was going to fill up in four years anyway. <laughs> right, you right. need a bigger drive or yes. you need uh, you need to be uploading to the cloud or something. <laughs> but he when he's finally convinced to delete the uh, excessive backups he's making 
he um, or you need to periodically download or something, dude. This is a 20th century problem. You should have this down. <laughs> yes. Um, but he uh, he has a vision of briefly of some it's fuzzy video, but it appears that his implant was not installed as elective surgery that right. there were that this was forced on him and then his memory of it being forced on him was suppressed so there's some kind of conspiracy involving his his visor so this may be a situation mm-hmm. of let's get a spy into starfleet right. by giving him a prosthetic device that we can use i wonder if it's going to be a section 30 31 maybe yeah yep. so we we also uh get a, a look at the long uh, referred to cetacean uh, ops pool. Yay! <laughs> How but, awesome and impractical is that? <laughs> I mean, we've heard from since TNG that there are, there, I think we're hints at the idea that there were sentient cetaceans like dolphins or something who acted as navigators and aboard various mm-hmm. starships. And uh, so now we're getting a look at it and uh, they, and it, they were they had cetacean ops listed on like the blueprints for right. the galaxy class ships in TNG. That's right. That's yep. right. And so uh, they they there's a release pin one. There's one uh, hull plate that is won't release from the, the outside. So they someone has to go into the cetacean pool and release it from the inside. And so that's Boimler. He, he elects to go. And of course, he gets stuck and then his mm-hmm. suit springs a leak and he almost drowns, as you mentioned, Jerry. Uh, but we get to see the cetaceans. Uh, there's some yes. dolphins down there, and they work down there, and they are chittering to the lower deckers as they come down to uh, uh, to to try to get that plate to release, and they help out Boimler as he's stuck and having problems. And we get subtitles. You know, they're doing the squeaky noises, right? Uh, in in the in the soundtrack, but then we get subtitles of what they're saying, and when they bring Boimler back, they're saying he's not breathing, his blowhole's broken. Don't let him dry out. Spray him with water. <laughs> and, and then after after they've like given him CPR or whatever you know to artificial respiration to get air back in his lungs, they say nothing like saving your friend than going skinny dipping. which which actually isn't unrealistic for dolphins to request of humans (laughs) (laughs) i won't elaborate on that but that is not unrealistic of what dolphins (laughs) might request from humans that's That's, funny that's funny let us not elaborate too much on that (laughs) i i got a kick how uh i think it was boimler asked how can they or, or Mariner asks, "Well, why why can't the why can't the dolphins go down and and pull this you know this this panel?" And they get all offended because it wasn't made for flippers. Right, right, right. <laughs> but yeah. but of course, you know, typical Star Trek. It's in the most inaccessible, obscene place possible. I mean, just ridiculous place possible where this manual release is located. It, it's very Galaxy Quest of them for putting it in there. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Mariner has to go out. She gets blown out. the So they take out the view screen on the bridge so that they can look out the front as Ransom manually steers the ship somehow. And uh, and so Jennifer and Mariner sort of guide him by eye <laughs> through this mm-hmm. through this uh, asteroid field. 
And at one point, Mariner falls out and she's going to be float off to, to die until Jennifer, the Andorian, comes and saves her. And that's that moment where, where she saves her and they're, they uh, they reconcile or show that they're not enemies. They uh, they eventually do get to also, the... Also, um, they, at one point when it looks like they're going to crash, they talk about moving to the back of the ship. Because right. mm-hmm. if you move to the back of the ship, there's a chance you'll survive. Okay. <clears throat> the um, the airlines here in the United States, and I believe everywhere, will not release data about where the safest part of the plane is. <laughs> um, but obviously, some parts are going to be more safe than others. You know, for example, the part that crashes into the ground first is probably one of the more dangerous places to be. Yes. And Popular Mechanics has done a study, this was years ago, but if you're concerned about a plane crash, sit in the back. Uh-huh. Um, also, uh, because the, the front part of the spaceship goes into the ground first. Yes. Um, the Also, uh, this was something that I had not realized. Father Corey may be familiar with this, though. Um, I was interviewing the uh, physicist and paranormal researcher, Dr. Edwin May, and for Mysterious World, and this happened to come up, um, the subject of where is, what's the safest way to fly? And he mm-hmm. pointed out that there is a change that the airlines could make that would save lots of lives, but they refuse mm. to make it. Turn the seats around. Yes. Right. Because if you're facing forward and the plane is going forward, your seatbelt can cut you in half. Yep. But if you just turn them around, that's not going to happen because your back is going to go into the seat. You're not going to be flung forward against that seatbelt that could harm you. And in yep. fact, military flights do this. Yes. So, um, also, so the mili- the military yeah. is more safety conscious than Pan Am and the other yeah. commercial carriers. Yeah. This is why infant car seats also face backwards mm-hmm. for that. So, that also, so you don't snap the neck. That's the other thing. Is yeah, mm-hmm. the, the, yeah. The, the airlines airlines don't want to turn around because they think people are going to be uncomfortable that way. And there might be people that we're already actually, uncomfortable. <laughs> I know, I know. It could actually cause you know motion sickness for some people. But I, I've actually flown a military space available flight, uh, several of them, where that was just like that. That yeah. uh, so when I was in the Air Force, the Air Force had the uh, the C nine, which was the the military medevac version of the DC nine, the McDonnell Douglas DC nine, and I flew that space available multiple times because the base I was stationed at was the headquarters for those those planes here in the United States. And so it was a free way to get home to visit. And all the all the uh space available seats were in the back of the plane. You entered through the the the, the tail, you know, like the uh uh the the back the back steps on the DC nine. And yeah, it was they were backwards. They mm-hmm. were facing the rear of the plane and it was for that reason. Yeah, and for people who might get motion sickness if they're backwards, they can have a special no vomiting section that's facing <laughs> forward. <laughs> I just want to be sedated and like stacked in the like in a shelf. Yeah, you know, just yeah. I want the priest, when we get there. Priest there on the runway. Hear my confession. Give me the anointing of the six. I get sedated. They put me on the plane and I wake up at the destination. Exactly. They have sleep <laughs> dentistry. Let's have sleep flying. They, I'm, and, I'm sure they'll do that some point. And bonus, they can fit more people on the plane. 
Yeah. So uh, back to Star Trek. <laughs> so they, the the Archimedes obviously gets rescued last second. Blah blah blah. You know the the usual thing. Uh, Freeman gets to make the first contact uh, with the Laparians, who turn out to be not only very welcoming, they are kind of party animals. <laughs> and Freeman shows yeah. up back on the ship after having uh, one too many uh, Laparian martinis or something. <laughs> she as she gets yeah. back there, um, she's, she's doing her whole you know, on behalf of the Federation of Planets, la la la. Let's drink. <laughs> yes, right. And then uh, when she gets back to the ship, there's a, a bunch of uh, Starfleet types there. And she's like, oh, you didn't have to come all this way to to congratulate me and to take me away to my new promotion. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm but I am going to turn it down. And they're like, we're not here to promote you. We're here to arrest you, as, as Jimmy mentioned. And so uh, she's arrested for destroying Pac-Led Planet. And accused of colluding with Klingons to plant a Veruvian bomb, the same one that the Paclids had tested, or a, evidently a different one than the Paclids had tested <laughs> out. Um, so evidently someone is framing, obviously someone is framing Freeman for the uh, for destroying Paclid planet. And this is, so this episode has given us a double inversion based mm -hmm. on everything we'd seen up to this episode, we would have expected this to deal with the Klingon war and in, or the Pac-Led war. And instead it inverts our expectations and gives us this first contact adventure mission. And then at the end, it inverts it again. And yep. I, nobody could have seen Captain Freeman being arrested there. That had not been set up. It's not, it's consistent with what we've seen before. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's fine. I don't mind it as a twist, but we've had like, a double inversion of expectations here. Yes. Yep. There's yes. no way we could have predicted what this episode was going to be about, which it's different than what we had been led to expect. There's no way we could, we could predict what we got. And then they threw it back to the subject of what we'd been expecting, the pack leads, but again, in a way we could not predict. So I, those are good twists in my mind. Yeah. Yes. They, they, did, they did a good job with this, setting this all up. So it was just came out of left field. Yeah. I you know, didn't expect, at all. And that was great. They did a good job. With good that. misdirection. Of course, now it rounds up the expectation for next season. Yes. Which hopefully will come sooner rather than later. Right. Um, you know, I, I got a kick out of when Boimler was was uh, brought out of the pool and they, they were able to get him breathing again. He wakes up. He said, uh, I saw a koala. <laughs> and that was in, in reference to last season's episode, Moist Vessel, where the, the lieutenant ascended, did a spiritual ascension. Why is there a koala? Why is he smiling? What does he know? <laughs> Turns out it was a drop bear. And Teddy says, don't, 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 uh, don't mention, you don't want to mention that. Because <laughs> she's the one who was there when he ascended. Right, right, yeah. right. There was, there was that episode of Voyager, right? Where Captain, uh, Captain uh, Janeway met a koala that turned out to be a drop bear, right? <laughs> yeah. It was a spared animal. Of course, we, you know, when, when uh, they're manually flying the Cerritos to get the joystick control like Riker and was an insurrection where yeah. he's except for at least, you know, the uh, the commander was sitting instead of standing. That's right. Um, and then the, the, the panel couplers that were the same ones that were used on uh, first contact where they removed the deflector dish. Yep. Yep. It was the same type of control where you had to punch a few buttons and it pops up and you twist and turn and. Completely impractical, but, you know, that's sure. that's normal. Jimmy, any final notes? So uh, now that we know that um, Billups is from the Renfair planet, uh, they've given him some, they've let, they're letting that affect things. He curses at one point in this episode, and his curse is dragon's blood. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
Um, also, uh, I liked when Dr. Ta'ana tells Tendi that she's recommending her for training as the bridge science officer. Tendi is is thinking, like Jadzia Dax? And, <laughs> and Dr. Ta'ana is like, who's that? I meant like Spock. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was good. Different generations. All right. Uh, so that does it for Lower Decks uh, season two and this episode. But I did mention we have listener feedback, so I want to share some of that with you. Uh, Kelly Brown wrote on Facebook about our most recent episode we discussed, uh, which was Wedge Douche, uh, which she says that this was, I think it was Wedge Douche, was it? Yeah. Well, that was the last was one. Last yeah. One. Uh, this was probably my favorite episode of the entire season. It was funny, but it also advanced the plot in a clever way. I loved at the end when all of the story threads came together. The punitive spirituality line was my favorite. One thing I can say about Lower Decks that I can't say about Discovery or any of the new tracks is that I want to rewatch Lower Decks. I love rewatching old mm -hmm. episodes of TNG and DS9, but not so much Picard and especially Discovery. For me, Lower Decks is a lot like the older Trek shows and that I enjoy rewatching them. I do disagree with Jimmy on one thing. He referred to the Vulcan Lower Decker as a Boimler. I think she's more, much more like Mariner than Boimler. As Mariner breaks regulations to get the job done, so does this Vulcan officer. I guess that the punitive spirituality of the Vulcan ship is their version of the brig. Great discussion. I understand why you guys don't want to discuss Discovery every week when the new season starts. I really don't want to watch it when it comes out, even though I probably will eventually. Yeah, and I agree with Kelly. I don't want to watch it. But I probably will eventually uh, once yeah. it's all out. Um, in terms of the multiple Boimlers, I did that for a couple reasons. I I recognize that it's debatable. Um, I saw other people online doing it, and to me, the Vulcan lower decker was the was less like Boimler, it, yeah. it, or less obviously like Boimler than the Klingon one was. But to keep it consistent and because I'd seen other people doing it, I thought I'd do that also just because it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but actually, I think I, and I recognize that the the Vulcan lower deckers, uh, I mean, it's it's funny. I didn't want to introduce their names because right. it would be hard in the plot summary for people to instantly remember these names. Mm -hmm. um, so I needed to call them something descriptive of their function in the plot that would be familiar. But I could have said the Vulcan lower decker or the Klingon lower decker, but it wouldn't have been as mm -hmm. funny. Yeah. Um, the uh, I recognize that the Vulcan lower decker is kind of like Mariner in her rule breaking. But I also think she is kind of like Boimler because what she's doing is being super efficient and organized and exceeding what she's been in instructed to do. And that is what Boimler would do. He's mm -hmm. the most organized person on the ship. He wants to show how super efficient he is and he'll go beyond what he's been instructed to do. If he's told to stack crates, mm -hmm. he'll find some way to try to figure out how to make some ship improvement because he wants to impress his superiors. Sure. Right. And, you know, one thing I did like though, and, and I, I can see where her, uh, the, Kelly, her comparison is yeah. because at the last when that uh, Vulcan Lord Decker leaves the, the captain's office, she does the sarcastic live long and prosper, sir. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> yeah, very which is, of course, like which is like Mariner leaving the captain's office, live long and prosper, you know, and doing the, the gang sign with the, the Vulcan <laughs> salute. Don't you do that sarcastic Vulcan salute to me? <laughs> 
Then, I, thought uh, of, I thought of that too. That was yeah. great. We got an, uh, more comment from uh, James Clare, also on Facebook. This was probably my favorite episode of Lower Deck so far. I think the line about mating with the enemy in a penal colony is a reference to the admittedly forgettable TNG episode Birthright, where Worf finds a group of Klingons living in a Romulan penal colony oh, and yeah. has a sort of love interest who's the daughter of a Klingon prisoner and the Romulan warden. So uh, that's probably... Yeah, I forgot about that episode, yeah. Yeah, that's a possibility. That could be, but he's right. That's very forgettable. I almost never think about that episode. <laughs> or It's a yeah. two-parter, actually, I believe. Yeah, and I yeah. mean, it's where we find out that Worf's dad was dishonored and all that other stuff. Uh, you know, at the at this colony, but yeah, it is forgettable in the way where we get there. Uh, Peter Garcia also commented on Facebook, who said, "Well, CBS delivered Dom and gave me a link to Star Trek dot com, link to the Lower Decks uh, Ritos shirt." So the, I had been saying I yep. want to throw my money at uh, Paramount, and of course, the marketing mavens over at Paramount were sure to make sure you had a way to give them money. And let me just say, uh, my shirt is out for delivery as we speak, actually. Yeah. I, right I, away. <laughs> so, I, I want hopefully. to get one of those shirts. I want to, you can get a coffee mug with the, uh, the, the evil computer lab logo on it. Yes. You can get, uh, glasses, you know, beer glasses with the, uh, Cerritos bar logo on it. That is pretty yeah. cool. I just yeah. haven't ordered them yet. Cause I have to wait till payday. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I would definitely order a Rito shirt before a disco shirt. Yes, oh, yeah, totally, totally. So uh, and then Tom Grellinger sent an email. He said, I noticed in episode 175 on Douche that you mentioned William Shatner going to suborbital space where he went where no 90 year old has ever gone before. And Father Corey's desire to celebrate mass in space. I actually posed this question to Jimmy on weird questions on Catholic Answers Live sometime in the last year or so. He was able to correct my immediate error and that the Eucharist would be valid, but without special yep. provisions would not be licit. I see he did bring up exactly the same issues on this episode as he did when I asked, and he answered the question on C uh, Catholic Answers Live. I wanted to share in mm -hmm. case anyone wants to go back to the, the Catholic Answers Live archives and listen to the question and Jimmy's excellent answer. And, and I, I didn't hear Jimmy's initial uh, answer on Catholic Answers Live, but I would make the caveat that it could be listed if it is private. To be a public mass, you do need faculties within the diocese, which, if what the story goes is true, would be the diocese or of Orlando, mm. uh, because, of course, the, the flights yeah. launch from there. Um, but if it was a private mass, you know, as a priest, I can celebrate mass privately, like in a hotel room. I've done it on uh, Amtrak train. But it has it can't be, you know, it, it would just be me. Yeah, there, you know, my concern about laicity, which for listeners who may not know, means lawfulness is something in mm -hmm. conformity with the law or not. Um, wasn't so much about faculties. It was about um, needing to take precautions to keep the right. precious blood from spilling or from fragments of the host that would retain the real right. presence going other places. And so it would be illicit if you don't take precautions to avoid those things. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's, yeah. that's something would definitely have to be thought about how to do like a, a chalice with some kind of lid or something like that so that the, the precious blood doesn't float away. And how do you do the, the fractures right? right? Where yep. you you break off a piece of the host and put it in the precious blood. Exactly. Right, right. You would have to be carefully thought through all of those steps. Yeah. And yeah. I, I'm willing to figure that out. Rotational <laughs> gravity solves so much. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Just the spin it up. Yeah. The interesting thing yep. about... Uh, the jurisdiction, the jurisdiction, does it, 
you know, they, the, 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 the famous thing goes back that the, the, the Bishop of Orlando, where all of the Apollo flights took off from, would be the Bishop of the Moon because that's where, you know, the, they mm. launch from. But where all these private ones are launching from all kinds of places now, you know, Texas and other places. And the, the, the story goes that shortly after the Apollo missions were started, you know, after Apollo 11, uh, the Bishop Orlando went to Rome for his Ad Limina visit and met Paul VI and introduced himself as the Bishop of the Moon. And I guess <laughs> so Paul VI cool. just kind of looked at him like, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. So thank you all for your, your comments, your feedback. We love getting your feedback and we'd, we'd love to get more. So uh, we do want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create Secrets of Star Trek, including Sean T., David S., Mark L., Robert C., and Chris E. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the Secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. Uh, we'd love to hear again what you think of First First Contact this last, last episode of the second season of Lower Decks. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash Trek or our Facebook page at facebook.com slash StarQuest Media. Uh, you can... Uh, <laughs> sorry, I was, try, I was trying to subtly look and see what is supposed to be next coming up next week. Uh, we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next episode, which should be, as I'm looking here... The War Without the War Within, the Discovery, the penultimate episode of the first season of Discovery. So we're getting very close to the end of that uh, that first season and <laughs> the end of talking about Discovery. Until then, Jimmy Aiken, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Trek. Thank you. And I know it looks bad for Captain Freeman right now, but Cerritos strong. <laughs> <laughs> and Father Koistika, thank you as well. Thank you, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember, it sounds like betrayal, but with clapping. <laughs>